Hello, time travelers. Welcome to the Aging Journey podcast, an actual play podcast where we go back in time and play RP games themed around time and growing up in a variety of systems. I am your game master, Tanya, and this is The Red Bridge, a children's fantasy adventure using the kids on bike system inspired by works such as The Phantom Tollbooth, Alice in Wonderland, Jumanji, and The Wizard of Oz. We are playing Kids on Bikes, a tabletop role-playing game that allows players to explore a mysterious and supernatural world set in a small town during the 1980s and 90s. Our players embody characteristics called tropes and roll dice based on their brains, brawn, fight, flight, charm, and grit. The higher the stat, the better their skill. Each player has a top stat where they roll a d20 and a bottom stat where they roll a d4. In this game, dice explode, where if you roll the maximum on a die, you get to roll again, infinitum. Our players for this campaign were made from scratch and tropes are custom. There may be mature content depicted in our gameplay, but the players and I are using safety tools and all content warnings will be in the description below. Well, I think that wraps up the spiel. Enjoy the journey. So yeah, Caleb, what does Avaria taste like? Sorry, what? The question caught me off guard. The air in Avaria tastes fresh, like a forest. Like going hiking, actually. So it also smells that same way? Yeah. So yeah, it smells and, I guess, tastes like a wooden trail, I guess. How you'd feel or smell when you're in a forest. Alright. Okay. Now, Willow, what is the color of the sun in Avaria? I'm kind of thinking of, like... There's a weird, like, eclipse sun. Mm. A what sun? Like an eclipsed sun. So it's, like, black, but it has, like, that rim of light. And it just... Maybe, like, more of, like, pinkish. Like a pinkish-red color. Pretty. Okay, pinkish-red. Now, is it a real eclipse? In terms of, like, it's because there's a shadow of, like, the moon over it? Or is it actually eclipsed? Like, the sun is not a circle. I think it, like, just has that appearance that it's an eclipse. But it doesn't have, like, the same effect of, like, an actual eclipse. Okay, so it is a circle. Like, the actual sun is a circle. Yeah. Okay. And then, I guess that asks, what does the moon look like? What color is it? Does it have a moon? Does it have more than one moon? I kind of imagine there being like more than one moon. It just amplifies that sort of like mysterious feel of it. Okay. How many? Gosh. All right. Numbers. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know what? Dice roller. (laughs) Yeah. D100. Oh, no. You know what? Yeah. Let's do that. I'm I'm just going to do a 20. 99 moons. <laughs> oh my god. I guess what? Five moons. Okay. Five moons. And then what do they look like? What color are they? Are they circular? I think each would be like a different phase of the actual moon. Hmm. It's like one would be like a full moon. One, and then like the rest would be like each like type of crescent moon. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what color are they? I think each would be like a varying shade of blue the full moon would probably be like this clear but like slightly darky ocean tone 
then the smaller they get, like the lighter that tone gets. Interesting. Okay, it's like a gradient of shades of blue. Two. Yeah. Name or describe a monster or beast that is only real in Avaria. Hmm. So the image that came to my mind was like a really large kind of slender bear with six legs and antlers. Ooh. <laughs> um, okay. Like deer antlers? Deer antlers. Yeah, like a big rack of antlers. Wow. It seems more mysterious than menacing at least in the picture that just popped into my head. And it is called... Let me think about that for a second. Sure. Uh, is it a like a black bear or polar bear or a, is it a weird colored bear? I think it only comes out at night and it appears dark, just sort of shadowy. I'm not sure what color it actually is. Okay. Okay. And then, who have I not asked? Did I ask everybody a question? Nah, me. Okay. Jimmy, do you need to eat and drink to survive in Avaria? I would say no. But eating and drinking in Avaria seems more enjoyable. The food tastes richer, and the feasts seem bigger. Do you feel full? Yeah, I'd say so. Kind of that contented full, like, after you've eaten, but not eaten too much. And then, is there a edible or drinkable substance that's only in Avaria? I think that there's a tree that you can find where if you tear off the bark, it crumbles away like cornbread. And if you were to eat it, it tastes kind of, it's grainy like sand, but sweet like sugar. Interesting world you all have come up with. And I will also answer a question, since I had five. My question is to name a magical creature that is not a monster, or one I wouldn't consider a monster, that's only real in Avaria. And I'm going to say the Fae. I was going to do a witch, but I want witches to be real. Essentially, there's no such thing as, like, real fairies or Fae in the real world. But you could find them in Avaria. Okay, those were all of my questions about Avaria. We kind of have a good start with what Avaria is going to look like and how we're going to be able to navigate that world. So welcome back to our session zero, everyone. This is part two of the session. So this is just a reminder that our main campaign actually takes place in the year 1996. But for the first part of our session zero, the players and me um, as the GM, we actually finalized uh, the lore of the game. And so you just finished listening to the lore building of the game. And then we went straight into some gameplay. So this gameplay is going to be in an alternate reality. So I say again... So do not get attached to anyone in the Session Zero gameplay, okay? So moving forward, we're going to have some gameplay. It's going to be a fun time, but do not get attached. Um, this alternate universe is going to be in like an alternate 
future characters that the players didn't actually build out. They are essentially retconning these characters and that this is an imaginary world that they are not going to play in when we get to the actual session one. Little disclaimer there. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Enjoy the gameplay for our session zero. There is a smell of apples in the air, uh, sweet and tart. It's almost as if you can taste them on the wind. The smell is carried on the breeze. It tumbles dried and fresh leaves on the ground. They're colored a vibrant green and yellow and orange. The colors of fall. The rustling of the leaves kind of roll across the ground almost playfully. This sound of fall is sent as whispers of laughter to the ears of a young boy uh, sitting silently on the top of old Grady's Hill. You are far enough away from your home of Shady Creek where on your perch you can see the entirety of the city just as the town begins to light up with twinkling lights as the sun sets. There's a bit of an orange hue on the horizon as the day comes to an end. Juke, you are sitting on the hard ground with no cushion between you and the earth. The grass around you is drying because it's been raining these last few days, but you can still feel the wetness of the earth start to seep into your jeaned pants. But you don't move. You are staring wide-eyed in anticipation, overlooking your home of Shady Creek. The place you were born, where you met your best friends, Jimmy, Willow, and Caleb, where you had the wildest of adventures. There's a light breeze now that kind of picks up. There's a chill that breaks over your skin and you shiver, but you don't move. Looking over the city, a dim light begins to shine in the sky. At first, it seems to be coming from the horizon. It's a opalized wave of purple that's emitting from a single point. It looks as if the sun is rising again, only this sun is pulsating at an iridescent purple, and you think it's beautiful. In this moment of calmness, the pulsating purple light suddenly explodes into a bright, almost neon purple, and it flies across Shady Creek, swallowing the lights of the city until everything you see is now shadow. It's continuing over the town, creeping closer to you, past the borders of the town in front of you, and finally, it reaches Old Grady's Hill, where you sit, Yet, you don't move. In your hands, you are clutching the remnants of Caleb's jean jacket. It's tattered and stained with blood. Just as the wave, this neon shadow, begins to creep over the hill and it devours you as it did the town, you close your eyes, bracing for what is about to happen. What is the last thought that Juke has in this moment. 
I think he's trying to keep hearing the sound of the leaves tumbling against each other, that kind of crackling, whispering sound of fall, because that sound is like the one thing that's comforting him and keeping him grounded there. He's trying not to think of anything but that. The leaves are comforting. Yeah. And whatever you felt in that moment, both from the ground and the water seeping to your pants to the jean jacket you're clutching, those feelings fade into nothingness as the shadow consumes you. But you can still, to the very last moment, hear the sound of rustling leaves until those rustling leaves suddenly turn into an alarm clock. And suddenly there is an alarm clock that sounds blaring. Duke, you are now in your bedroom and your alarm clock is uh, blaring at high volume on your nightstand. Go ahead and roll a grit for me, your grit. That's 14. 14. From your dream, you remember... 14 is kind of middle, so we'll we'll give you one and a half things. You remember that you were at Old Grady's Hill. You remember that name. You remember that you were at the hill. You don't 100% remember what you were doing at the hill, but you remember you were there. And you also remember a sunrise. That was very beautiful. It was uh, an iridescent purple sunrise. Those two thoughts kind of make you feel calm and almost happy. Like, what a strange and really cool dream. And then you wake up and go about your day. And we skip ahead to later that morning, where, Duke, you have made your way to Madonna High School. And today is a special day because it is the last day of the school year. This is also your last year of high school Hmm. because, of course, you're a senior and the year is 1999. You may all unmute now. Wasn't that fun? Okay, so. Oh, yeah, my character's dead. It's a great time. (laughs) Didn't know this was a Rogue One situation here. (laughs) Rogue One situation. Okay, so you all understand the setup, which is essentially what that was. You are all in your senior year in this scenario. You have experienced 1986. You have experienced the world of Avaria. You will not know what has happened because you actually haven't played in this imaginary campaign. But you will essentially retcon everything as I ask you. And thank you, M. You did an excellent job with making up how you would feel in a moment you didn't even know was going to happen. <laughs> That's welcome to the Red Bridge, everyone. <laughs> so now that we're all unmuted, we are going to move on to the rest of the game. So let me have everyone roll a d20 for me and let me know what your numbers are, please. I got a two. I got a one. <laughs> 19, <laughs> baby. Nice. I hope that's nice. <laughs> and the dice roller is still being broken for me. You want someone to roll um, Let me try. Let me try something else. Hold on. Caleb, you got a one. Uh, Jacob got a two. Yep. Jimmy, what'd you get? A 19? 19. I mean, technically, I rolled a one in 20 chance, so. <laughs> you know. I just used a different dice roller since Discord 
is just being weird. Okay. I got 15. Okay, 15. So then we know the order. It's going to be Jimmy, Willow, Juke, and then Caleb. Just remember your order. I'll also try to remember your order, but I'm just going to go down and ask you to continue to contribute to this world. So once again, welcome to your senior year, everyone at Madonna High School. Jimmy, what is the mascot of this high school? Mascot of Madonna? Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like a mastiff. A mastiff. Nice. Uh, The dog? Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Willow, what are the two colors that represent Madonna High School? You're going to murder me to make choices. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Orange and blue. Complementary colors. Orange and blue mastiffs. Now, Shady Creek is a small town, but they do have a neighboring town. What is the name of that neighboring town, Juke? The neighboring town is Plymouth. Plymouth. With a Y? Yeah. Excellent. Now, Madonna High School wasn't always a high school. This is a very old town, so this is a very old building. What was this building before it was a high school caleb Hmm. before it was a high school it was a warehouse for all the apples and fruits that were picked in shady creek is that good Mm -hmm. okay now let's have anyone who has an idea of this can say this, I guess. Because again, I kind of had five things because originally we had five people, but not many people know where the name Madonna came from that the high school was named after. What's the local rumor of why Madonna High School is Madonna High School? <laughs> Could it be a mastiff? <laughs> no, the principal of the school had a pet mastiff named Madonna. No. Oh. <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling oh. prophecy. It's I have, like a, I have no, an it idea. Was, it was built a, a long time ago. So I got one too. Idea. You okay. go first one. How about the orchards and the warehouse used to be run by like a convent, like an organization of nuns that was dedicated to the Madonna? Okay. Other Donna. That's one option. I was thinking it was just like misspelled. They were trying to go for like some kind of Latin word like Madonia or whatever to symbolize prosperity or something and just someone misspelled it. Mm, Okay. So I like the idea of the convent. What could we make it instead of a convent? It was, well, I think a convent is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that makes most sense for the world. And then once I'm done with this section, I will actually read the entire thing that I have written. And then you guys will kind of understand how all of this works together. So rumor has it that Madonna came from the old convent that used to run the orchard. Okay. So welcome to your senior year at Madonna High School home of the Mastiffs, with colors shining orange and blue. Fun fact about Madonna High School 
It was founded in 1927, two years after Madam Grace Shady set up a moonshine business. It was actually run off of the old dried up creek that used to be between Shady Creek and their neighbor town, Plymouth. Now, little do people know that the Madonna High School was originally built as a warehouse for Madam Shady Creek, uh, Madam Shady's moonshine business, where she stored her apples for fermenting. It was later converted into a high school two years later in 1927. And even though not many people actually know where Madonna came from, like the name of the high school, a local rumor is that it was named after the old convent that used to run the orchard, which is interesting. Quite a shady business to be in league with a moonshine millionaire. But thus is the history of Shady Creek. <laughs> I think you guys did a wonderful job there. <laughs> I'm gonna have that moonshine. <laughs> That's the fun of the fill in the blank. Now, the Shady family is actually survived by their last living descendant, a Miss Vidalia Shady, who runs Vidalia's Eaton Restaurant. Now, there is another rumor that talks a bit more about Madame Grace, the proclaimed owner of the town or discoverer of the town. It turns out that many people believe that she was a witch. And even though her name is named for the town, so it holds her namesake, there is another rumor that she had no great love for Shady Creek. She refused to actually be buried in the cemetery in the borders of town. And no one knows where she's actually buried to this day. But Enough of the old legends of like witches and moonshine. Madonna High School is a, is a respectable first class institution these days. Although it is a shame that this year will be the last year the high school takes students. Oh. Because Madonna High School is scheduled for demolition after graduation. Duke, you arrive at school and you don't see anyone yet. Uh, you don't see Willow or Caleb. And you are standing like right outside of Madonna High School before you get to the courtyard entrance. How did you arrive to school? I got there on my bike. Okay. So there are some bike rails that you can kind of put your bike at and lock them up. There's a couple of other bikes there, although you don't see many students yet. But there are a couple of bikes there. I'll go make sure to lock my bike up, and then if I know my friends are going to be coming, I'll wait outside, pull out a notebook, and jot down some stuff I had seen along the way. Excellent. It's a beautiful sunny day. It is the middle of summer, and it's a perfect 75 degrees outside. Although it's a little strange that the leaves' colors are changing. You'd think they would be all green by now because it's summer, and it's nowhere close to fall yet, but... You know, global warming. People say that's a real thing. Uh, you don't have any proof, but apparently that's what everyone's saying. So you are standing there kind of writing in your little notebook. And when you look up, you actually see Juke. He's not arriving, though. Perhaps you missed him. He's actually standing near the rod iron gate that reads Madonna High School. So it's right at the courtyard entrance. And he's just kind of standing there looking in some random direction he's not looking at you but he's turned in a way to where if you like were to wave at him or walk up to him he would see you off the corner of his eye but he's just standing there kind of stoically looking at something you can't see i start waving at juke hey juke juke 
you over here. Juke, you are a bit distracted because you don't remember walking here. Hmm. You remember waking up, you remember getting ready, and then you were just here, just standing in this spot, and there's something else. You're not just staring at anything. You've been staring at someone. There's a young black girl with auburn brown hair. She has her hair pulled into a, a low ponytail and she's wearing a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. She is sitting across the courtyard from you, pretty far away to where if you were to say something, she probably wouldn't hear you, but she is staring directly at you and you were staring directly at her. You have your eyes locked. She's sitting there on a bench all by herself, um, not moving, not blinking. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to see if she was breathing. It's uh, a little unsettling. That is also coupled with the fact that, you know, you don't actually remember walking here or getting here. You kind of start to feel a bit of a sickening feeling in the pit of your stomach and you kind of feel a light headache coming on. And it's in the middle of this moment you hear Jimmy's voice. I think I kind of pull my gaze away from the girl across the courtyard and slowly turn toward Jimmy and kind of weakly raise a hand and wave. But I just like lean a little bit more against the fence, kind of feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Jimmy, you see your friend and you two are able to interact. I start walking over towards you. Hey, man. Just get here? I guess. I guess so. Did you just get here? Yeah, yeah. Just came in. Um, I'm gonna look over to the the girl again. She is gone. Oh. And you both kind of notice that the courtyard is a little bit sparse today. It's usually this is a pretty fairly large high school. There's usually a couple of people milling around the courtyard. That's not unnormal. Today, though, because it's the last day, perhaps, you know, a couple, a lot, most of the seniors decided to skip the last day of school. Mm. But you all have planned to meet today. You have much to discuss. So as you're both standing there, the bell rings for class. And neither of you really move at first, but across the courtyard, just where you were kind of looking at the girl before, you both can now see Willow and Caleb. They haven't just arrived either. They're actually coming out of like a part of the high school on the other side of the courtyard. And they stay in there and kind of wave at you guys to come and join them. <laughs> Caleb's just like muttering half-assed insults while looking at Willow with a smirk. <laughs> Pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and she just nudges him back. It's just like, be nice. The last day. When was I ever nice, you goober? Never. Exactly, and I don't intend to get my better grades up now. Ah. <laughs> and Caleb looks over at like Juke and Jimmy. Ah, oh, there they are. Hey guys. I didn't even get to class. Yeah. Hey man. One sec. Oh, just a little waves excitedly. At them. <laughs> it's like hi. We're here. As we walk over, I want to ask Jimmy. Did you see a girl sitting just there? Oh no, I didn't. Was I supposed to? Huh. Is there? I don't know doing all right man it's a weird day last days tend to be that way you four uh meet up and you all are not heading to class obviously you're actually heading to a secret meeting place uh this is the place you guys found years ago in your freshman year it's been your headquarters essentially ever since 
what is the name of the secret spot? <laughs> well, what even is the spot? Like, where is it? Like what's, a it what's it look like? Uh, tell me the Dave. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, wait. I got one. I got one. Mm-hmm. Caleb likes to call it the peanut gallery. It's because where we all hang out and we're all nutcases. <laughs> okay. Is everyone on board with the peanut gallery or is there another suggestion? I'm good. Just have that. a little nameplate peanut gallery. <laughs> the peanut gallery. You all are heading to your favorite place, the peanut gallery. It is a secret room, essentially. It is actually just a old storeroom that no one has used. It was dusty when you first found it, but you guys have made it your own. In fact, it is whatever you want it to be. So inside, you all kind of, you know, close the door. You're all in your area. This place is going to be demolished literally a couple of weeks after graduation. But you have made this secret spot, this peanut gallery, your home base, the place where you guys have had all of your adventures. It's bittersweet. So what does this secret place have that makes it a safe space for all of you? And so I want each of you to add what this place is to you. I know for Jimmy, he's got a lot of random stuff that he's collected over the years, and quite a bit of it has kind of migrated to the peanut gallery. Just things he had on him at the time, then he just left here. So there are like random old toys on the walls, some just random collector's items, just a stack of comic books and Warner, a bunch of random things. <laughs> okay. I guess the reason this place is important to Caleb is because it's like the one place he can interact with the group without having to like think of where he is, what he needs to do, or people around. He's just like, yeah, I can be around these friends. I don't mind it. Just able to be yourself. There we go. I think it has a bunch of old instruments, like band and orchestra from years ago that had just been like shoved away. So whenever they hang out there, Juke can like sit on a milk crate in a corner and like pull down a like pair of bongos and mess around with them or grab like an old out of tune guitar and just like fool around with music while hanging out with everybody. Wonderful. Willow. Willow would probably see it a bit because of like how her and Juke imagine things. She probably sees that as like this kind of like a war room where they just plan out their schemes. But she probably also just leaves like she like hides, you know, like a little Easter egg hunt. She just hides a bunch of little rocks around the room that have googly eyes on them with random names. And it's just like either Caleb, Jimmy, Juke, you know, <laughs> around. And if you find your own name, like she'll just like let you have the rock. Mm-hmm. It's just a little game that she has in there for them. Beautiful. As you all enter this room for what is going to be the last time, you all look around and you see sitting in this room full of the items that have weathered, you know, four years of you all talking and chilling and playing music and being friends. Sitting in plain sight, not covered, but um, almost shoved a little in on one of the shelves. There's a wooden bookcase in the back in the corner of the room is a dark burgundy box. It's a 
bit weathered around the edges. Uh, you can kind of start to see white cardboard peeking through it. Jimmy, as you have many times before, you pull a folding table out and start setting it up in the middle of the room. Caleb, with practice, you lift a large tarp that's un- that has a bunch of uh, folding chairs underneath it, and you begin to set up four chairs around the table. Willow, you begin to grab pens and dice and cups to get everything ready. There isn't a refrigerator here, but you guys like to keep snacks and sodas um, someplace back. So, Willow, what's the soda that you guys game with? What is the official peanut gallery soda? I feel like I have to choose Fanta. I just imagine my, because, well, that's what my sister uses. So it's like, I imagine, it's just like, I, I have to choose Fanta. What's the favorite flavor of, of everyone, or does everyone like different flavors? I don't know. Was, was <laughs> Fanta out around there? I have no idea, but you can. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, I just said Fanta, because I, I, I imagine that's something that's still. Wait, let's see when, when Fanta was invented. Hold on. You are getting everyone's oh, it's uh, been Fanta Sogos. That's hilarious. 1960. There we go. We're fine. Yeah. I don't know how many flavors they had. My favorite is pineapple, but I don't know uh, when that was invented. But but you supply the snacks. You're the snack person. You know where the snacks are. You have a place where you replenish the snacks. And of course, you guys have to have your highly sugar soda so that you can get through the hours of gameplay that's going to happen here. That is a ritual at this point. So you are setting up the table. Once you're done setting up the table, you also go to double check outside the door. So you just open the door and you're going to look down the halls to make sure that everyone has cleared the halls, essentially, because they should be in class, although you guys are not. You lock the door from the inside. And before you go back to the table, to the left of you, um, where the door is, there's a device. It kind of looks like a 1930s, 1940s, like radio. It's like brown and made of wood. And it has like little antennas that come out from it. And you kind of push a button and kind of click a knob. And you don't hear anything, but you know what it does. This is now emitting a silent vibration. And it essentially masks the sound. Uh, within the rule, virtually making it soundproof. So you do that, and then you go back to the table. All of you have finished your tasks, except Juke, who is standing in front of the bookshelf. Your eyes fixed on the burgundy box. Your hands are steady, as you have done this many times before. You take out the box revealing the name of the game. The cover of the box has a picture of a bridge that spans its length, and the title reads, The Red Bridge. Under the title, it reads, A fun game of imagination for all ages. Hours of fun in the land of Avaria. In the upper right corner is a picture of a steam train with a small writing um, directly below it that reads, Real metal train included, extra tokens not included. And then below that picture is a picture of a bunch of coins. 
and there's like a little text sign over it that says five coins. And then Juke, you set the box on the table and you all take your seat around the table. You lift the box and now you guys can see inside. Uh, Caleb always looks visibly shaken around this box. God, I'm never going to get used to looking at this thing. Inside the box, you all see a large flat piece of paper folded in four, a black 4D dice with white numbers, five fake gold large coins, seven plastic toy bridges, a set of instructions, a scorecard, and a metal toy steam train. What do we do? With the box. I guess unload the game from it. Okay. Uh, You begin taking out all the pieces and laying them on the table. In this world, in 1986, you all played a game called The Red Bridge. It is the game that is before you. Caleb, you were the eldest at the time, so you could kind of read fairly well, at least better than everyone else because they were younger. So you were the one that read the instructions. So you know how to assemble the game. Jimmy, you were able to have a dice or supply the dice, which is just a D4. So you're usually in charge of making sure that you guys do the dice rolls to see who plays first. Willow, in the original game, you were the one that got to place the bridges. And so now when you guys look into the box, the bridges are all white. And they magically change color when you pick them up, Willow, into seven different colors. And Juke, you started the game. Therefore, since that time in 1986, no one else has been able to start the game other than you. So you must take the train and put the train on the start button. So before we do anything more, as you all unassemble, the items, you put them all together, you all grab your designated items, the dice, the map, unrolling the map, Willow taking the bridges, and Duke taking the train. What is the air like here when it's obvious that what's going to happen right now is that you all are going to play this game again? It's probably not the same for the rest of the group, but Caleb is hesitant. He's never exactly liked this game. He's never exactly liked how it affected him in life. So every time he has to go back in the game, he is almost paranoid as what's going to happen. Yeah. The air is sort of tense. The Willow is... She's trying to maintain some, like, excitement. Like, come on, it's going to be fun. Yeah, fun. (laughs) Sure. I think what about everybody else jimmy's sense is just kind of like the atmosphere especially in like Kate and he had an issue with the game in the past been playing it has never been a problem for him but he knows that it's different for him so he's concerned he's kind of trying to be show confidence but also is like trying to be aware that it doesn't Play the same for all his friends. I think this will be the last time. You guys keep dragging me back here, I doubt it, but yeah, hopefully so. I'm pretty sure it will. Alright, let's just start this thing already. I every second I want to throw this thing off the table and find the nearest locker to shove it in. 
<laughs> Wouldn't be very nice. Yeah, kind of intense, Caleb. It's uh, it's just a game. I'll put the train down. Caleb like gives you a glare. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a game. Uno is just a game. This thing is my arts and crafts project. So then I never want to do it. I never want to finish it. It's just a more eccentric game. It'll be fine. Come down. Ooh. Never make me. <laughs> <laughs> fine. I want to throw my Fanta at him. Like, chill out. It's a cold fantasizer. <laughs> I'll shove you in the locker if you do that again. I dare you. Oh, don't dare him. <laughs> <laughs> do it. As you all are having this jab back and forth, Jupe sets down the train. In the moment he sets it down, nothing changes. You are all still there, joking with one another, sitting in the tenseness of this game. But there begins to be a different feeling that kind of whirls around you all. Something that feels almost chilling. However, you all are used to getting into this game at this point. You know what it feels like. You've been in the game and out of the game many times now. You have, in this timeline, finished the game at some point and found the red bridge and crossed the red bridge and you have the red bridge as a piece. So now you just have kind of like open world, you know, free roam. Nothing has been out of the ordinary every other time you've gone back. This time, though, that unsettling feeling, it just stays in the room. But none of you are in Avaria. I pick up the train and put it down again. <laughs> okay. Again, when you pick up the train, that heaviness in the room kind of leaves and then it comes back when you put it back down you, you can almost feel as if it's it's trying to happen you all get whisked into this amazing world but it doesn't you're all still just there in the peanut gallery looking at each other do you think died? can it die? maybe someone else try it? yeah hand it over yeah. uh, Caleb pulls out his hand for the train Okay. Come on, you dumb piece of garbage. Let's see if this works. And he's just going to put it down the start button. Okay. What is your grit? His is, I think, a 12. Please roll your grit as you put the train down onto no, the start 10. button. Okay, Let's see what happens. All you were trying to do was to put it down onto the, the game piece. This is probably not you guys' first time of switching tasks. You understand that for some reason, the game is like locked in however you played it in 1986, which means you have most likely tried to put the game piece down on start before. Well, all of you probably have, you know, you've tried to also like put the bridges down up until this point. Whenever you guys switched pieces, it, nothing happens. And this is kind of the same, but also a bit different. You put the piece down and Again, when you picked it up, that heaviness left. When he gave you the piece and you put it down, the heaviness came back. Again, it almost feels as if the game is trying to activate, but it's never tried to activate before with someone other than Juke. Caleb rolled a two. Excellent. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not a two. <laughs> you put the piece down and 
that heaviness comes back and you all feel it. So you all know that for some reason, this is the very first time that the game has tried to activate with someone else putting down the start piece, which is not normal. Caleb, you feel almost as if a spike has been lodged up your nose into your brain and is scrambling it. Ow. Um, it is extremely painful, but it also feels like something. It smells like something. It's right there on like the tip of your tongue, that like in your nostril, it almost <laughs> feels like you're smelling Avaria itself in that moment. Caleb just he, like jolts back his hand, just like, ah, fuck you too. <laughs> this has never happened before. There is no precedent for this. None of you have any idea why you can't seem to enter the game. Are we missing a piece? I start looking at like, the table, see if we dropped something. You what need happened? four gold coins. Are all the gold coins there? Who, uh, who did I say has the gold coins? I think you said that like Willow grabbed like all the little game pieces. Willow, you look and you see like five coins. They're all there. Um, you had passed them out, or four coins, and so each one has one for the train ride. Jimmy, you see every piece that you all can remember. And I will say, as you all are looking at the board pieces, you notice something is a bit different. There is something missing, but particularly Juke, you are 100% sure when you grab the box and put it on the table, it was definitely there. So it was literally there 10 minutes ago. And you are all missing the little toy plastic bridge that would be red. Oh. Is great. Caleb okay after that, like, first jolt? Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, was that a failure? The low? Yes. Well, it was a failure, but you still got something out of it. Okay. I'm asking because uh, we need to introduce adversity tokens. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You're supposed to take an adversity token every time you fail. Yes. I also have easy going, which uh, doubles that. So if I fail, I get two. Take two then. <laughs> We're just going to look at, okay, I'm like, do you need another Fanta? <laughs> probably, probably. At my head or to drink? Whichever one works for you. He just grumbles with a smile before sitting back up on the chair. <sighs> do we figure anything out from my constant headache now? Yeah, Willow, where's the Red Bridge? Did she see the red bridge whenever she was placing them down? The bridges only change color when you touch them. So you took them all out and you took out seven and one of them was red. In fact, when you look down, it was literally just right in front of you. I swear I just had it. And she's going to touch each bridge again and check the colors and then look around. Okay. You check the colors. You have the green one. You have the blue one. You got the orange one. You got the white one. You're not seeing the red one. You could have sworn it was just there on the table. Caleb, did you accidentally knock it off whenever you... Whenever you know, it was. Yeah, I fell over. I didn't see it. One sec. And Caleb's going to like check under the table or around him, see if he can find it. Yeah, you will do a full search 
under the table maybe it you know rolled somewhere i mean it's a bridge it's technically modular it shouldn't be rolling anywhere but if willow says it was there at some point then it must have been there you guys don't find the red bridge underneath the table or anything but as you're all looking you all hear a, a bang a really loud bang coming from the door boom 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 no one's here bang like like someone's knocking on the door Yes, like someone's knocking from the outside of the door. And you can kind of hear a voice. It is of a an older gentleman, um, a deeper voice, and goes, Hey kids, are there people in there? Caleb just brings a finger up to his lips like no one make a sound. You hear the door kind of jingle and then nothing. Willow, you had turned on a device. That should have made this place soundproof. Names keep on changing. Because I can't tell if you keep on repeating Juke's name or not. But I swear you said that Juke turned on the whatever device by the door. Did he? It was Willow. It was? I did not. <laughs> I heard her say that you turned on. So Juke is the one that got the game board out and put it on the table. You were the one that set the table and checked the door. Yeah, I opened up the box. Oh, the okay. Box. I don't know. Maybe my brain's just fried today. All right, I guess I go check. Will goes and checks the door, the little device. The little device is still working. It's on anyway. So it should be working. So no one should hear you. I want to open up the door and look out. You look out and it's fairly empty, just like it was as people are still in their first class. But you see a gentleman at the far end of the hallway. There's like a long hallway. This is an, an outside high school. So you're technically looking outside. But he's on the far side of the high school. This is obviously the gentleman that had just knocked on the door. He's walking away, but you can see that he's wearing dark blue overalls and he has a set of keys on his belt. Uh, he's must be the janitor. He's walking away. Probably you can tell to get another set of keys to get inside the room. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to close the door. You all make some noise in there. I'll see if I can hear you. And I'll go outside and shut the door. Start banging on like a drum or something that's in here. Mm -hmm. Juke, you can hear that perfectly. All right, I'll go back in. Uh, yeah, that thing's not working, and that was a terrible drumbeat. Look, I'm not a musician, okay? So, you all have realized a couple of things. Number one, there's a missing piece that wasn't missing a couple moments ago. The item, and I can say that this item is an item you all procured in one of your many adventures, that is supposed to make this safe place pretty much soundproof, so you can do whatever you want in here, is not working. What would it take to try to fix this? Are you trying to fix the machine or trying to fix the game or the radio? Uh, Caleb doesn't know a lot about the radio, so maybe he's going to try to look through the rules to see if he can find any sort of alternative. Like, in case Redbridge isn't shown, put a bag of chips in place of it and it'll work. <laughs> For example. <laughs> okay. You are the keeper of the instructions essentially so you should be able to ascertain you know something different from the instructions i believe i have a picture of the instructions in lore channel let's take a look shall we 
uh, Shady Creek MO, Redbridge. Ah, yeah, Redbridge Instructions. Here we go. Uh, instructions, welcome to this one, first world. Do you want me to read aloud or? Yes, Absolutely. The Redbridge Instructions, welcome to the splendiferous world of Ivaria, where you and your friends will embark on thrilling adventures to cross the Redbridge and to win the game. The objective of this game is to be the first player to travel across Ivaria and reach the Redbridge on the other side of the map. The first player to do so will win the game. So here are the steps. He points to the different items as he reads them out. One, unfold the game board map and place it on a flat surface. He did that. Place all the bridges on the map, the train on start, and the red bridge on the end. Do we have all the bridges on the map? Yeah, the red bridge is missing. But do we have the other bridges on the map? Yeah, all the other ones are still there. Okay. Roll a d4 to decide player order. Each player claims a coin and presents their coin to enter the train. Ride the train to the red bridge. Players must pay their fare at each station. First one to cross the red bridge wins. Yep, seven bridges, scorecard, train, instructions, map, start, and the red bridge. Okay. <laughs> Dice not included at the bottom. Hmm. Well, I could roll? I don't know. We don't usually roll, though. Usually Juke just starts. Yeah, and it just sort of works, I guess. How many bridges are on the board at the moment that Caleb can see? There is six. So, yeah, we do need the red bridge. I don't know, man. We could just, like, draw it in. Try the train. Maybe we just need to see it. Okay. And she's going to grab the train. Okay. Go ahead. Try the train. She, I guess, tries to place the train on a start. Excellent. Go ahead and roll grit. All right. That probably ain't good. (laughs) What was it? Four. Mm. Okay. Go ahead and take an adversary token. <laughs> oh, nice. I believe we should start failures like that. Like a little bit of honey before the hammer. Mm. <laughs> Willow, you take the train and you put it down. And once again, you all feel the heaviness in the air as if you are any moment now going to be transported into the world of Avaria. But instead, none of you move. Willow, you feel a tingling sensation starting at the tip of your fingertips, and it sort of travels almost as if there's something like lightning crawling under your skin and attacking your nerves, up your fingers, to your hand, to your elbow, all the way up to your shoulder, and your entire hand that you use to put the train down goes limp. She is going to whip away from the table. Oh, I'm sure that someone can just like, shake her hand, like, wait, hold on, send this. No. <laughs> so this is obviously not working. You don't want to try it, Jimmy. <laughs> Everyone tries it. I can't. Okay, okay. You never know. Maybe it'll work. No, That's I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the train and I'm gonna start putting the game away. This is stupid. Apparently, last time was our last time. What did we do the first time? Did we have the bridge the time? That's a good question. Do you want to roll a brains roll? Yeah. Well, Go ahead and roll your brains. Roll my brains. Uh, let me... Is Will's hand still limp? Yes. <laughs> oh my god! 
Oh, that's just permanent? <laughs> Why? <laughs> we'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> what? What did you roll? Oh, there, four. A four? It's been a while. We're all cursed. Take an adversity token. Adversity token, what you cursed us? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you can't 100% remember what was on the game board it was you know so long ago the very first time and since then you guys have played this game so many times you know what you do now but you don't necessarily remember what you used to do you know that you had all the pieces as you all are sitting there you all hear a jingle of keys and the doorknob kind of jingle as someone is trying keys does the door open inwards or outwards let's say outwards Damn it. Oh, that sucks. Does it have like a lock on the doorknob that we can turn from the inside? Sure. Yeah, it does. Like hold it. I don't know if that's how doors work. <laughs> like, can you? Can we like hold it in the locked position? You can certainly try. Okay. I will try. I'm still worried about Willow's hand. <laughs> Willow. I'm so confused. All of this chaos is happening. And yeah, you're there with a, with a very numb hand. So sort of there... Maybe you're wiggling it a bit, trying to get it to wake up. It kind of feels like your hand's falling asleep, essentially. How's this ever happened before whenever they tried, like, switching who does what? So, you all have had experiences in terms of when you would try to do different stuff with different pieces, yes. You would have some level of adverse effects. I will say, though, that these effects seem to be worse because it seems to be working. So originally, if you put the start down, the start piece down, you know, you all go to Avaria. If, like, Caleb tried to put the start piece down, nothing happens. You might get, like, a light headache because the game piece is trying to tell you that it doesn't work with you. But it doesn't, like, hurt you or anything because it doesn't do anything. Like, it doesn't work. What you guys are experiencing right now is it seems that regardless of who touches the game pieces and puts them on the board, they will work. But Can Willa try it again? <laughs> You're going to try it again with the same hand? She's like, yes, with the same hand. She's like, well, I'm, it's already happening. Might as well try again. Wait, 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 it wait, seems wait, to wait, be wait. working. So if I just keep trying, it will work eventually. I think Juke needs to try it again. <laughs> I think we're about to get in trouble. Do you all, do you not want to get in trouble today? I mean, it's the last day. You could look Go out with a bang. I can distract him if you want. My hand's numb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back. I'm gonna just like push the door open hard and then take off running. Okay. You bust open the door and it immediately hits the guy on the other side who stumbles backwards and he obviously sees you run out and he just is gonna stare at you and be like, hey! And then he's gonna just start to run after you, not really paying attention to the door anymore. Yeah. My goal is to, like, stay ahead of him and, like, loop around the building or whatever and come back to the door. Like, lose him and, gotcha. and get back okay. eventually. So we are going to say that you are trying to lose the janitor. Yeah. Inside of the room, we have Willow, Jilly, Jimmy, and Caleb. Uh, Willow, your hand is numb. And Jimmy and Caleb, you all are just kind of sitting there, maybe standing, realizing that something's wrong and you're not really sure what's wrong. But I will say any three of you still in the room can do a brains roll. 
to mm-hmm. try and figure out what this means, what you're looking at right now. Try to figure out this puzzle. It's not the end of the world if we fail, so I might as well go for it. I want to brute force the door <laughs> and at the door of the game. <laughs> you gotta work. Roll intimidation against the, the game. <laughs> Roll intimidation, yeah. I think I'll intimidate the game, but I can better work. All right. Let's see what we've we been through here. so much together. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a lot of ones lately. Oh, boy. I'll try it. Remember what he said about Honey and Hammer? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy. You're only hope. Ten. Oh, thank God. Ten. Okay. Caleb and Willow, you guys are feminine adversary tokens. Perfect. Jimmy, you got a ten. You are looking down at these pieces. You're remembering years of playing this game. You're also remembering a specific instance where... So, at one point, you guys hadn't used the secret spot to play the game. You played it either at, like, Clem Woods, or you played it, like, at the library. Like, you guys found different places. Uh, you didn't stay at the same spot. And then when you guys found this secret spot in your freshman year, this was, like, the spot. But until then, you guys had to move the game around with you. And you remember one instance many years ago when you all were maybe at the library, you think, and you had the game out and you guys were playing or you guys were about to play and you left to like go to the bathroom or like do something and you thought you had like locked the door because you guys had just rented out a room. But when you came back, you realized that a child had gotten into the room. And of course they saw a game on the table. So they started playing with the pieces, you know, moving, moving the bridges around and playing with the train, super cute. You also remember that it was just, the child was just moving pieces around, but it didn't seem to have any effect on them. Like, they didn't go into a barrier, nothing happened. You didn't feel the weight in the air. You surmise at this moment that not only is something wrong with the game, but the very fact that the game seems to be working regardless of who touches the pieces means that you probably shouldn't leave the game alone anymore because originally only you all could use the game. And now it seems like the game is trying to trigger, but it seems to not know that you guys played the game originally, or perhaps it thinks that whoever puts the game piece on, it'll work for them. You're not 100% sure, but this is not good. This is very, very bad. Thank you all for listening. We hope you are enjoying the campaign. Don't forget that you can listen to the podcast on the Aging Journey podcast website, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Links will be in the description below. Don't forget to follow or subscribe. You can also support the podcast on Patreon or join our Discord. Enjoy the journey.